You are tuned in to Lightworkers Lounge. Tales of having a human experience in a spiritual world. Let's pull. From my favorite game, this is not sponsored, I wish it was. We're not really strangers. Have you guys heard of that? It's a card game where you can really get to know someone. And it started off as like a card game for relationships where you can play this game with your loved one. Or now it is branched off into a family pack, a friendship pack. And I have here with me the self-awareness pack. Starts with self-reflection. How to meet yourself again, it says. So, wherever you're at, however you're listening to this, If you're driving, just think about this and ponder it. If you're sitting down, maybe grab a piece of paper and write things down. There's so much power in putting pen to paper and seeing our thoughts right in front of us. But here's the question. What did the people who raised me teach me about love? What lessons do I want to keep? And which ones do I want to challenge? So what did the people who raised me teach me about love? What lessons do I want to keep? And which ones do I want to challenge? And this is so funny because as I was just tapping into my soul and heart before this podcast, thinking, what am I going to talk about today? Lots of things were flooding in. And one of them that popped up, because I'm going to incorporate astrology into this, of course, was when you're going through your adolescent years, you're growing up, you're figuring out who you are, you're figuring out what good people are like, you're experiencing what bad people are like, you're kind of throwing a dart in the dark and it's hard and a lot of us can play victim and poor me and whoa, why do I have such bad luck in this area of life or so many areas of life? Life doesn't seem to be fair. We all have these conversations, right? But astrology can really pinpoint, if you read your birth chart, you can really pinpoint, okay, this area of life is really calling for my attention and my energy. Let me really purchase self-help books, listen to podcasts, follow accounts on social media that really help both comfort me, but guide me and walk me through this specific area of life. And in my chart, this area rules love. Remaining an individual in love, attracting healthy partners, um, figuring out how to make love sustainable and work long term. And it's, it's really neat because when you look at the birth chart of my mom and my grandmother, they all have these lessons as well, definitely in their own shade or form. But it's almost like they get handed down. Right, like here's your chance to do it. If you don't, you get it. If you don't, then here we go. Here's your daughter's chance. And so it's really cool for that purpose too. Astrology is you can look at generational patterns. It's so fascinating how deep you can get into astrology and really untangle the knots in your life. Um, I know it's also very overwhelming. I do remember what it felt like my first time discovering that I had a moon sign. Was like whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> what? I'm not just a Sagittarius, huh? So I I know, I get it. I'm trying not to inundate people with too much information, but it's fascinating. I can't encourage learning the stars enough. 
Now, this perfectly segues into this card that I literally randomly chose from the deck. So I guess the universe guides, gods, really want us to talk about this. So I'll answer it. What did the people who raised me teach me about love? Well, I was raised by a single mom. And she was awesome. She had a Leo moon. Come on. She was all about fun. But she was emotionally unavailable. She did not hug us, kiss us, say I love you. It was very, very foreign. Um, I felt very comfortable going to her with any issues sometimes. But most of the time I would avoid it because I knew she had so much on her plate and was already so stressed and sad that I didn't want to pour things on her. Um... So there we go. I was already imprinted in my brain like love is through actions because my mom would put so much effort into actions, throwing us really incredible holidays, even though it was just us three, meaning me, my brother, and my mom, because we moved away from where we were born in Indiana to New Hampshire. So we had to cultivate a family of friends, right? Soul soul family, we'll call it. So I, from that, my mom taught me that love is emotionally unavailable. Love is someone who doesn't need to say it, doesn't need to show actions of it. You just know that you can pick out someone loves you by, well, they're nice to me. Well, they, they, they make me dinner every night without actually feeling it or being able to comfortably and gently express any concerns or disagreements in love so that the love can grow deeper and flourish longer. I I was not trained or taught to do that at all. And um, sadly, I've also watched my mom have boyfriends that ended up in chaos and leaving at the drop of a hat. And then one guy who I thought was just her, her person, he came into our house one day after school. I was in high school. I loved him. He was a Sagittarius, so he was just so upbeat and optimistic. But he walked in, looked a little somber, but I was like 16. I didn't care. I was making a snack and doing my thing. I was like, hey, what's up? And he's like, hey, I left your mom um, a letter on her bed. If you can let her know. I was like, yeah, sure. Cool. Well, that letter ended up being a confession of an affair, cheating on her after a really long relationship and building a house together or a little cabin on a lake, not a full house. But after that, my mom was so heartbroken by love that she didn't date or talk to anybody for eight, nine years. That's pain, huh? So that I can reflect back on teaches me that people aren't faithful because like these two were peas in a pod. (laughs) I just did not see that coming. And when you get hurt, close up, build a wall. And I hate talking about it like this because my mom, it, it makes it sound like my mom did these things that are like didn't care how her behavior was impacting my brother and I. And I really, I'm not a parent yet, but I can really sympathize with parents today. Perhaps if you're listening to this and you have child five and under and you're listening and watching and learning about all these trauma in the first five years, imprint on them and changes the rest of their life. And it can be crippling and like analysis paralysis of, oh my God, I remember talking to my therapist, April Adams, saying like, yo, I want to be a mom someday, but fuck, <laughs> I, I'm not perfect. Uh, and I feel like I'm going to cause them so much trauma. And she just flashed me a smile and said, Steph, 
when your child runs up to you holding scissors and a knife and you freak out and go, no, 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 give me those, and you take them away, that's trauma. That's taking away something they wanted and loved. (laughs) It's trauma. So she's like, you're not going to get around it. It's going to happen. It's all in what, how you handle what comes after. So when the children grow up, um, can you create a safe space where they can, as teenagers, say, hey, that one fight you got into when I was four years old with dad, um, it really scarred me. Why did you guys fight like that? Why did you behave like that? If you can be a safe space and start asking questions that get them to talk about their emotions, then you're golden. But, you know, my mom, she wasn't taught that. So how was she supposed to know? She wasn't blessed with a gift of social media and Google at her fingertips to learn about it. She had to go to a library to learn these things. And being a single parent, you do not have fucking time to sit and scroll or read self-help stuff. You are... (laughs) My mom's idea of relaxing was probably just staring at a wall and taking a deep breath for five seconds before she had to go help my brother with something. (laughs) Like, whew. So what did my mom teach me about love that it's emotionally unavailable and you know so cliche classic I went on to marry someone who was very emotionally unavailable and followed my lead because I am a very powerful person and you know I wanted him to stop smoking cigarettes I wanted him to go to college and I pushed him to do these things instead of just accepting him for who he was Um, You know, it takes two to tango in that situation, but I feel bad that I didn't just let him be who he was, which is not that type of person. And, you know, we never, we weren't very affectionate. Um, I don't even recall saying I love you at the end of the day or, so all I was was just repeating what I knew. And I was so unhappy and lonely. And I bet if my ex-husband were here too, he would say, I was too, but we were just two broken kids who had no fucking idea what we were doing, just imitating where we came from and then wondering, wait, why doesn't this feel better? Or why doesn't this feel good? So there's that. And then my mother and biological father divorced when I was five. He was an alcoholic and had his own mental health struggles. And, um, I don't, you know, there's just two sides to every story, but it just didn't work out. He just was not meant to be in my life. And as an adult trying to reconnect with him, I figured out why (laughs) and that my mom just blessed my life by saving me from that. But what he taught me about love is that it's not there or I don't know. I feel like in order for a father to teach you about love, he has to be present. If he's not there, it's just a blank slate you know, that I can paint any way I want to. So what lessons do I want to keep? My mom was very tolerant, very accepting, maybe to a fault sometimes, but she would never judge people. She would let them grow. She would let them change, become who they wanted to be, never judge them for it. Like some people were, like you would never hear out of my mom's mouth, like, man, you changed if it was for the good of that person. So I would love to keep my mom's sense of fun and adventure in relationship. Um, The relationship that she was in for eight years, they would go out dancing and laugh so much and party, party in a healthy way, have board game nights. She just kept a sense of wonder and childlike to our relationship. So I would love to keep that. 
And what do I want to challenge? Well, you know what? I was talking to my mom the other day and we had this really, she's gone to therapy, she's grown, she's become much more, we, we say I love you now and we hug and cuddle, so we have definitely grown. I probably should have added that. So it's never too late to change. Please listen to that. Never too late to change, not even in your 60s. Um, what do I want to challenge? Well, my mom and I were chatting the other day after, I'll admit, Jail and I had a fight, um, like all couples do, and I just call her like, Mom, this is hard. And she's like, Steph, I know. She said, you know, I, I'm not going to tell you what to do to leave or stay because I can't give you directions to a place I've never been. She's like, I will remind you, though, that your great-grandma, your grandma, and me have all been divorced. We don't know how to both choose a healthy partner, nor do we know how to keep and maintain a relationship. We are burnt out on love. We are burnt out with men. We are turned off by them, disgusted by them. It's, it's just not going to happen for us. And so if you want to change that pattern, you're going to have to figure it out on your own, girl. I don't know what to tell you. And just her sharing like the story of my great-grandma, my grandma, and then she already knows that I know hers, was like, dang, I really do have a choice here. I mean, I don't, I know JL's not a bad person, and neither was the person I was married to, per se. But every relationship just has its challenges. And JL knows, I talk about it to him on the podcast, that my relationship with him has been the one I have dreamed of my whole life, but it's also been the fucking hardest thing ever. Hardest thing ever. And the reason why it's been so hard is because it's real. It is real love. It is transparent. It is pure. It is authentic. And I've never felt that. And neither has my mom. And neither has my grandma. And so think, my grandma grew my mom who already had the eggs in her that was me. And I was absorbing all of that energy of, I can't choose partners nor can I make it work. And so I was talking to a friend the other day and I was, oh, we were talking about my birth chart. And I said, my chart just screams that a jealous person, but I have never felt jealousy. I've never felt that in any relationship. And my friend was like, well, Steph, he who cares the least has the most power and love. He who cares the least has the most power and love. And I thought, golly. I have literally always loved everyone with one foot in. And that's why I've never felt anger or jealousy or really anything but love. Because how easy is it to feel love when you only have one foot in and you don't talk about things, you're not transparent about things, you shrug things off. I remember working with a marriage counselor during my marriage and saying like, I know this sounds weird, but... I want to fight with my partner. I want to argue. And she just smiled and nodded and was like, of course you do, because that's growth. Um, and then my current therapist was telling me, like, fighting is good. It's a really good sign of a relationship that's alive and healthy. There's just fighting fair and fighting unfair. Fighting fair is a discussion. Fighting unfair is crossing boundaries, raising the voice, throwing things, slamming things, you know? 
But fighting fair is so good. It keeps things alive and it means you're speaking your truth and you're sharing, hey, I don't like this. I'd like to be treated like this. And creating that long-term sustainable love. No one in my family has ever done that. So what do I want to challenge? I want to challenge the inherited belief that love can last decades. That love can, in fact, last a lifetime. That's what I want to challenge. Ooh, these cards are powerful. <laughs> you know, I'm about to post a reel tonight that I wrote this morning on Cosmic Coconut, our astrology account, and it just talks about astrology and why people are so attracted to it. I always love people. So one, sometimes when I post astrology reels that get almost a million views and go pretty viral, I inevitably get the comments of, wow, believing in floating rocks can tell you how to live your life. Real cool. Sarcastic comments like that. <laughs> They're so funny. But I get it because my brother's like this too. And and I love disagreements because we, you can understand where people come from, what they were raised like. Okay, if you don't believe that a floating rock <laughs> can tell you what your love language is, then what do you believe? What do you believe about love? I would ask this person that very question. What lessons about love do you want to keep? What lessons do you love do you not agree with? And have a really good dialogue. But um, the real I'm about to share talks about the type of people that are just so attracted to astrology. And having given birth chart readings all over the world of ages, gosh, the oldest I read was 87. And the youngest I've ever read was 13, 14. So cool. And everything in between. And I will say, it, it comes from all walks of life. I've read Christians, Catholics, you name it. Muslim, Buddhist, all of it, all of the above. People are so curious about this. And I think astrology, being the oldest studied science known to man, is very real. Like, when you see the full moon rising, I don't care who you are, your gender, your race, your ethnicity, your age your generation, you stop and you stare. Even if it's just for a couple of seconds, you're like, oh, that looks cool. Everybody, even my brother who is very science and computer oriented, even he loves the moon, like in the sun. So we're all attracted to these natural things. And I think of our ancestors before us when there was no books, no social media, no TV, no nothing. Imagine being born and living out in the wild, your only sense of figuring this shit out and all these weird things you feel and attractions and disgusts, you want to put like a label on these things because they're scary. And when you put a label on something, you can put that wild beast in, of a feeling in a box. And so this is where it all began. And imagine seeing a shooting star a sunrise, a sunset. Even today, all of these things move us. I don't care who you are, what you come from, what your beliefs are. Guarantee you've taken a picture of a sunset on your phone because those things capture our heart for a reason. And people who love astrology and study it and come up with it, these are just people who were, they were romantics. They were people who could see and feel beyond just what it looked like. 
What does it represent when the sun rises? How do you feel? Oh, you feel more awakened. You feel more inspired. You feel like your highest self early in the morning with the sunrise, don't you? Oh, in a in astrology, that's called our rising sign. The constellation that was rising over the horizon when we were born. And this is our soul's promise. Sun sets, the sun is setting. How do you feel when that happens? You relax, you're calm. You might journal what happened to you today. Things that are in your subconscious might come out. You guys know. So the people who love astrology and are so curious about it are typically really sensitive people. People that can feel and see beyond the physical in this crazy, chaotic 3D world we're living in. And they want an explanation for it. They want to know, hey, are these my feelings? Or is this the collective's? This full moon has just driven me in a rut with my marriage. What is going on? Oh, the full moon was in Libra. We're all kind of looking at the relationships in our lives. Oh, okay. So astrology just really helps sensitives make peace with what they're feeling, what they're seeing, what's going on. It is truly, in my opinion, one of the greatest self-discovery tools, but also one of the greatest weathering life's storms, tools that you can have in your back pocket. And I'm not promoting anything today. I'm not about to say, sign up for my full moon eclipse program, although I should if I was a smart businesswoman, but it's just something that came to me and flowed through me. And perhaps this is because the eclipse season is coming up. October 25th, we got an eclipse and then followed by one on November 8th. I will make a podcast about this because I think it's really important. But for now, a little sneak peek. Think about last November, what was going on? Where was your heart and your mind at? And then also think about the years 2014 and 2004. Because these were years that we had this similar eclipse on the Taurus-Scorpio axis. So these can give you clues about what area of life you're getting a second chance in. Where have you always felt stuck? I meet so many people in their 50s and 60s who are having a midlife crisis. You know, we're not all going to have one. People who are lucky enough to figure out their soul, find their soul, and follow their heart typically don't have a midlife crisis because they've always been, there is no crisis. They've just been grounded and rooted in who they are and what they want to do and what they came here to do. Astrology helps you do that. I love reading teenagers, their birth charts, because I'm like, listen, I am planting so many seeds in you right now that can really help you not make the same mistakes that a lot of us do. And this is great. So I think that's all I wanted to share today. I saw something cool on Instagram today. <laughs> you know it's going to be a good conversation when it starts with that. But um, it was a woman who gave birth in the ocean. Thank you, Mallory, for sending me that post. A woman gave birth in the ocean. And I thought, this is so cool. Oh, my gosh. It seems so natural and so primal to me. And as you know by now, I, I'm i a very spiritual person, but I'm not, I'm not putting yoni eggs up my poo-poo, and I'm not. I don't sage my house anymore. Um, no offense to anyone who still really enjoys those practices. Keep enjoying them until they no longer bring you joy and then say, okay, that was cool. Just evolve with yourself, grow with yourself. But I thought it was so neat. And I think, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Giving birth in a place like that, you know, a hospital. 
I will let life go where life is going to go and do what it's going to do. I may need to give birth in a hospital one day and I will accept it and be at peace with it. But it just always feels so unnatural to me. I mean, being handed graham crackers with corn syrup and enriched wheat flour after my surgery is like, wait, I thought we wanted to heal the body, not poison it some more after it just got cut open. What are we doing here? That's a whole other podcast. But I thought it was so cool. And of course, there's always so many women that have to throw in there. Jeffrey, do you agree? Are you passionate about the subject? He says yes. But think of it. I bet Jeffrey's pug mama did not give birth to him on a bed in an unnatural pose under fluorescent light. She's probably outside in their backyard. Who knows? But, yeah, I just thought it was really cool. And there's a piece of me that feels like I'm going to be a doula one day. I don't know. Just an intuitive feeling. My birth chart would definitely point to that. So we'll see what happens. But it's fascinating. I love hormones. I love conception. I can't wait to experience the physical, the mental, the spiritual side of pregnancy one day soon, I hope. And yeah, I just feel like it's a part of my life's purpose and path. We'll see. But that video was really cool. And I hope that maybe one day we can all bring back home birth or births that are more comfortable and birth centers with, you know, the beauties of merging Eastern and Western, having doctors right there with us, but the super comfortable surroundings. Um, if you guys follow me on my personal Instagram account, uh, I posted a video of a OBGYN that I visited called Kind Body. And you go in this place and you get a pap smear in this gorgeous room with fluffy pink pillows and a couch and music playing and everyone's just so chill. They don't even wear white lab coats. I mean, they have scrubs on, of course, but it's like, wait, what? Healthcare can feel like you're just going to see a friend. Like This is fantastic. Energy is so important and so real. You can't deny it. And that's what Lightworkers Lounge is all about. Energy. Tales of having a human experience in a spiritual world. I don't define that enough, even though it's in our intro every time you guys click on an episode, but tales of having a human experience in a spiritual world was birthed, all pun intended, from the notion that we're all spiritual, we're all religious, no matter what your beliefs are. If you're super science-driven, if you are Christian, Catholic, Muslim, Jewish, if you are spiritual and resonate with feathers and repeating numbers and 1111, we all have the same belief that we want to understand what you can't see. We all have this strange connection and desire for the unseen. And that's really cool. And I think we're all having a human experience in a spiritual world, meaning we're all going about our days, going about our lives. But yet, if you ask someone from any background, hey, have you ever seen a ghost? Have you ever had something really weird happen to you? Everybody has a story. There is that unseen force, that spiritual world, circulating everyone's aura. So many unexplained things, so many synchronicities are surrounding everyone right here, right now, down to how you found this podcast, where you're at listening to it. One of the messages in here is probably something you need to hear. And that's that spiritual world that we're all having a human experience in. And that's so cool. 
And if we can all just remember that, I really think it could bring world peace. But what do I know? Maybe my head's up in the clouds. I'm just here doing my thing, having my own human experience in a spiritual world. Thank you guys for hanging out with me. Thank you for answering a self-reflection question with me. I, I kind of wish we were recording this on Zoom quite so I could see your guys' responses. When I give birth chart readings, this is one of the most common questions. So again, synchronistic, this spiritual world. I ask you guys, like, hey, what did your mom and dad teach you about love? What did they teach you not to do? And some people are so perplexed by this, but you can see it in their facial expression that they're dumbfounded and it just switched something permanently in their mind about how they love, how they show up in love. And love, this is no hippy-dippy-woo-woo saying, love is the foundation for everything, the greatest force that we cannot measure. And so ask yourself frequently, am I choosing love? How can I push back, push past this frustration, this jealousy, this anger, all these negative emotions, and just show love? Can I be so mad at my partner but still make them dinner? Can I be so pissed off at my partner but still give them a genuine tight hug and then say, I'm going for a walk? <laughs> if we can do that, think of how that changes everything. Think of my story with my mom. If she were to have eventually had a partner who says, tell me about your past, what happened to you? And talked to her and really melted her icy cold shell wow, I'm sorry you got cheated on, Lisa. I, I will never do that to you. I'll always try my best to be very loyal to you. I can imagine how much that hurts you. And then knowing and understanding that wound in my mom and strategically knowing don't push that button. Always make her feel safe and chosen. Oh, God. And then when my mom feels loved and safe and nurtured, she pours that into me and her future grandchildren and her neighbors and her friends. And it's just a chain reaction. It's tales of having a human experience in a spiritual world full of love. What a perfect transition into the Cancer Moon tomorrow. I love you guys. You know where to find me if you want a personalized one-on-one -on -one birth chart reading lightworkers-lounge.com. As a listener to Lightworkers Lounge, you always get a discount. Use code gratitude at checkout. You can purchase my book, It's Just a Phase, Journaling with the Moon, and learn how to work with the moon's phases. The moon changes signs every two to two and a half days. So every two days, we are being emotionally influenced by a different current. Right now, the moon is in Gemini. I have been riding up a storm. I just sat down out of the blue to record this because I felt like I got to talk. This is what Gemini rules, the mind, thinking, speaking, teaching. So of course, I'm being heavily influenced by that, and I am getting this material out because come tomorrow, the moon is moving into the sign of cancer. This is a quiet, introverted, very sensitive and emotional sign that craves home. So tomorrow and all this weekend, I'm going to focus on JL, our home, the little family we have, and just enjoy those things and not be so social and not try and teach people because a lot of us will not be feeling like, hey, I want to learn today or hey, I want to teach today. We're going to be craving solitude, nurturing ourselves, putting love towards our family. This is what cancer loves to do.
So if you guys want to learn how to do that and do a step-by-step journaling guide, get my book, It's Just a Phase, Journaling with the Moon by Stephanie Powers on Amazon or order it on our website, lightworkers-lounge.com, and I will send you a signed copy. Sending you so much love and grounding energy from these beautiful San Juan mountains in Colorado that are lit up in gold. Oh, my heart sings. It's so beautiful. Go to my Instagram and check out photos and videos and reels that I've made of the scenery around here. It is something else. Sending you some of this grounding energy. I'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.